Hi, hello everyone. I love following Pastor Dwayne and all the musicians. I feel a little bit like a proud American Indian uh, who's standing on a mountain and he is uh, trying to communicate through smoke signals. On the other side of the mountain is a nuclear test site and somebody lets off an atomic bomb and a big cloud of mushroom cloud bellows up and this man turns around and says, man, I wish I had said that. That's how I feel following our musicians. I, I, I sit there and I go, man, wish I could sing like that. But that's all right. Everybody doesn't have to do what everybody does. We all have our own skill set. And that's why we are going to talk today about work. Welcome to those of you who are visiting us for the very first time. We welcome you. Welcome to Portico. For those of us watching us online, watching us from our video cafe, uh, watching us from the chapel, and also a big welcome to our Milton campus as you're watching us. Take out your electronic devices. You'll find in our church app, under this week's message, you will find a way where you can follow the sermon notes. For those of us who are here in this room, you have the added advantage. You can pull out your bulletin and you'll find the sermon notes is listed there. I'm going to ask our ushers at this time to grab some Bible. In case you don't have a Bible and you'd like to borrow one, the ushers will make their way down. Keep your hand raised real high. You can borrow it. Use it during the service. At the end of the service, just leave it on the seat and we'll take care of it. So keep your hand raised real high. Our ushers will find you and make sure you get a copy of the Bible. Welcome to the last part of the sermon series called Renovate. We are exploring how the Bible speaks into our world and speaks into our everyday life. This series has helped us discover some of the ways in which God wants to renovate our life. As part of the series, we have covered relationships. We have talked about your money. Today we are going, in, going to look at the four practices for renovating your work. Four practices for renovating your work. Our text today is taken from Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 6 and verse number 7. It reads, Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. As we come together today, we need to realize that God wants to use all of us. By mentioning work, I'm not just referring to a profession for which we get paid. I'm also referring, when I talk about work, I'm also referring to what we do at home. Students, what you do, work is what we do as volunteers, what we do as ministry partners. Charles Spurgeon, way back in the 1800s, echoing Ephesians 6.6, wrote in counsel to Christian workers. This is what he said, allow me to read it for you. What a mean and beggarly thing it is for a man only to do work well when he is watched. Such oversight is for boys at school and mere hirelings. You never think of watching noble spirited men. Here is a young apprentice set to copy a picture. His master stands over him and looks over each line. Did anyone thus dream of supervising Raphael or Michelangelo to keep them to their work? No, the master artist requires no eyes to urge him on. Popes and emperors came to visit the great painters in their studios. But did they paint the better because these grandees gazed upon them? Certainly not. 
Perhaps they did all the worse in the excitement or the worry of their visit. They had regard to something better than the eye of pompous personages. So the true Christian wants no eye of man to watch him. There is about a real Christian a prevailing sense that God sees him and he does not care who else set his eyes upon him. It is enough for him to know that God is there. The good news for us is that as we serve wholeheartedly, enthusiastically, God wants to reward each one of us for whatever good we do. Practice number one, enjoy work as part of your call. Enjoy work as part of your call. Work is something that God endorses. As a matter of fact, the root of the word vocation is derived from the phrase, what the voice told you to do. C.S. Lewis captures this so beautifully when he writes, they, which means the skeptics, they keep saying that there is only one voice, you are not there, and we are dreaming, and this whole thing is absurd. C.S. Lewis uses the skeptic's voice and turns it around this way. He says, maybe, Lord, they are right. Maybe there is only one voice that is heard. But where they are wrong is that if there is only one voice that is heard, it is not mine, it is yours. You are doing the dreaming, and I am the dreamer. We need to realize that God is our boss. We have to give account to Jesus Christ, our boss. We enjoy work as part of our call. And when we look beyond human flesh and see things through His eyes, we realize that we are not working for men, we are not working for a corporation, we are not working for a company, we are working for God. I'm reminded of John Wesley. John Wesley was an Anglican minister who is credited with the foundation of the evangelical movement known as Methodism. He was only 5 feet 3 inches tall, he weighed about 128 pounds. During his lifetime, John rode on a horseback 250,000 miles, which literally is four times circuit around the globe, if you, if you go by the route of the, of the equator. He preached 40,000 times, preaching up to three times a day. Many a times he traveled 70 or 80 miles. And on one occasion, he rode 90 miles on a horse for 20 hours to preach a sermon. Let me share with you a page from John Wesley's diary. John writes about his work schedule in this way. Sunday morning, May, 5th, May 5th, preach at St. Anne's was asked not to come back anymore. Sunday evening, May 5th, preach at St. John's. Deacon said, get out and stay out. Sunday morning, May 12th, preach at St. Jude's. Can't go back there. Sunday evening, May 12th, preach at St. George's. Kicked out again. Sunday morning, May 19th, preach at St. somewhere else. Deacons called a special meeting and said I could not return. Sunday evening, May 19th, preached on the street. Kicked off the street. Sunday morning, May 26th, preached in a meadow, chased out of the meadow as a bull was turned loose. <laughs> Sunday morning, June 2nd, preached out at the edge of the town, kicked off the highway. Sunday, June 2nd, afternoon service, preached in a pasture, 10,000 people came to hear. Like John Wesley, we need to stop thinking about work as a job and every day as a success. 
We need to accept the things which comes our way as Jesus, our boss, is sending it our way. He has called us to do this for a particular season or a particular time in our life. And we enjoy it because our work opportunity is coming from Jesus, our Lord. Work and labor are as spiritual as worship when it is done to the glory of God. We thank God it's Friday. How many of you thank God it's Friday? We thank God it's Friday. But we also thank God when it is Monday, and when it is Tuesday, and when it is Wednesday, and when it is Thursday. We thank God for work. Work in the Bible is never presented as non-spiritual. In the first book, the very first chapter in the Bible, God introduced labor before worship. Genesis 1 verse number 28. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over every living creature that moves on the ground. Please understand, we need to understand that God endorsed work. He endorsed it in the book of Genesis. It is introduced right there in the creation story as we reference Genesis 2.22, all of the work of creating that God had done. Work is pre-fall. God puts man to work in Genesis 2 verse 15. The Lord God took man, put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. In the garden of Eden, labor was worshipped. When Adam and Eve were taking care of the garden, they were worshipping God. They were serving God. They were honoring God. They were obeying God. They were listening to God. Work is worship. And for those of you who think that we have to do work because of the curse, that is simply not so. God introduced it. He gave man his first job. The first job description was written by God. What is a result of the curse, though, is the fact that sometimes work is not enjoyable. Colossians 3, verse 23 and verse 24. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Rick Warren author of Purpose Driven Life, takes the entire discussion about work to another level when he looks at the subject of retirement. Rick Warren mentions that the word retirement is not in the Bible. It is not a biblical concept. According to him, what is taught in Scripture is a transition. You may change jobs, You may change vocations and you may volunteer for free, but there is nothing that says that you work for most of your life and then you get to be selfish for the last 20 years of your life. One of my favorite writers is a gentleman by the name of Peter Drucker. Peter was an Austrian-born American management consultant who's also been described as as the founder of modern management. At 65, Peter Drucker had only written one-third of the book he was going to write. Only one-third of the book he wrote by the age of 65. 
At 86 years of age, Peter Drucker had written 26 books. He went on to write 10 more books after he turned 86. Imagine, at age 65, if you don't give up on God's purpose for your life, perhaps you have reached only one-third of your effectiveness. It's a powerful thought. Consider these men. Winston Churchill became the Prime Minister of England at the age of 65. Michelangelo painted the Sistine Chapel at the age of 71. Charlie Chaplin was still directing movies at the age of 76. Benjamin Franklin framed the U.S. Constitution at the age of 81. Albert Schweitzer was still performing surgeries in Africa at the age of 89. George Bernard Shaw was 94 when one of his plays was first produced. Purpose-driven life. I'm reminded of the religious revival that broke out in 1949. It is known as the Hebrides Revival. A 2008 documentary film, Great Christian Revival, covers Scottish preacher Duncan Campbell and the revival of the Scottish Hebrides. I love the story. Hear this. This revival was primarily brought in by two women. One was 84 years old. The other was younger, 82 years old. Blind Peggy and her arthritic sister Christine was too infirm to go to church service. They prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and finally got all the pastors of the island together and said, God is going to bless this island. Who should we get as a speaker? Uh, We think Duncan Campbell will be the man. Ladies, will you take up the responsibility of writing to him? They wrote to Duncan Campbell and soon came the reply, I am busy for three or four years. 82-year-old lady read it and she began to cry. You know what? He is busy for three or four years. The 84-year-old lady, older in years, more persistent, perhaps wiser, said, Praise the Lord. 82-year-old remarked, You didn't hear what I said. I said, He is busy. He is not coming. 84-year-old said, You didn't hear what I said. I said, Praise the Lord. That's what he thinks. You know something, as the ladies persisted in prayer, Duncan Campbell was soon there. He sat on the platform. In Duncan's own words, 75% of the people were gloriously saved before they came near a meeting. The power of God was moving. Even before Duncan started to preach, the altar, the aisle, one lad fell on his knees by a pigsty and gave his heart to Jesus Christ. Others found Jesus on the roadside. And the sidewalk of Hebrides Island was clattered with people only because two women were not willing to retire from work or from their belief that God was going to bless them and bless the land. Think how liberating this is when you go to work. Whether you are sweeping the floor or whether you are running a major corporation, you are doing it for the one who is dreaming for us. Your work is worship. And your worship is work. Your work is reflection of God's calling on your life. And practice number one, you need to enjoy it. Practice number two, embrace God's standard for work. Take the case of the Great Wall of China. It was built during the ancient times to protect the country from barbaric attacks. The wall, which is one of the seven wonders of the world, was so high that no one could climb over it. The people were overjoyed with its strength and thickness. 
History records that in the first hundred years of the construction of the Great Wall of China, China was invaded three times. On each of these moments, it was the gatekeeper who was bribed to open the gates. China knew all about building walls of stone, but it seemed to lack the essential virtues of truth and wisdom. In this world where integrity seems to be in short supply, I believe we need to look to God's word and embrace God's standard for work. Genesis chapter 39 verse number 6. This is Potiphar's house. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Joseph is away from home, working at Potiphar's house, seduced by Potiphar's wife. He was alone and working. He could have easily slipped up, but look at what he said. Joseph said, I cannot do this because if I did it, I'll be violating the trust the master has placed in me and I would violate the law of God. Look at the number of angles he covered from the point of ethics. Everybody is doing it, but I cannot. Why not? Not to you. Why not? You don't belong to me. What if I'm willing? What about your master? Well, my master won't mind. No, no, no. There is still the law of God. It's the word of God which tells us in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 28, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their hands that they may see something, that they may have something to share with those in need. Now we can lack integrity in many ways. God knows the time when you have laid up and told your boss that you're sick when you were not sick at all. Think about the time you spend on Facebook when you are at work. When we come, to, come late to work and you don't, we don't think much about that. When we use work stuff for personal use. Lacking in integrity. But if you start living the way Bible recommends us to, then we don't steal because we think we deserve it and they are not paying what we deserve. We don't turn bitter. We don't turn resentful. We don't do a bad job. We are to be obedient and have a servant spirit. Christ is our boss and we follow the one who makes it all right. We are called to do something useful with our hands and share with those in need. God is not just unjust and he will not forget you. The word of God challenges us to embrace God's standard for work. At this time, we have Pastor Rick, who will be sharing with us the third practice for renovating your work. student has over $25,000 debt by the time they're done. And unless you did an apprenticeship program, it's going to be three to five years before you even find a job in the field that you just trained for. And 
most times when you start out, that job's only going to pay you $30,000, $40,000, which is barely enough to live on in our communities, let alone start to pay down that debt. On top of that, we know that most people change careers a couple of times throughout the course of their work life, so that $25,000 debt you racked up is really just the beginning of the school debt that you're going to have. It's hard to be excited about your work life when you know you have this giant uphill battle to climb. And the hard thing is, is that we're seeing all kinds of people who could grow into being excellent doctors, excellent teachers, writers, mechanics. We're giving up way too early because we don't have a job promised to us within the first few years upon graduation. It's interesting though, when did we decide that we deserved a job upon the first three, four years after graduating that made us feel fulfilled and got us all the money that we'd ever need? I want to show you two verses that the Apostle Paul wrote to his young protege, Timothy, just when Timothy was about to start out in his own career. Last week in our key text, we read 1 Timothy chapter 6, the first 10 verses, and this was Paul talking to Timothy that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. We're going to move on a little bit further. We're going to get to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11. Here's what it says. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Now, a little bit later on in Paul's life, he writes another letter to Timothy, and this time he's talking about how he lived his life. And he said to Timothy in chapter 3, verse 10, he says, You saw me live with purpose, with faith, with patience, with love, and endurance. He's saying when we approach our work lives, we always need to remember, what's my purpose? Do I have patience? Will I endure? So over the course of your life, your work is going to be different. You might start out at an entry-level job. You might feel like, hey, this job is a little bit beneath me and my skills, but I'm doing it to prove that I'm a hard worker, that I have work ethic. You may be working for a while, but you're not getting paid for it because you're at home doing work, because you're volunteering. You may enter a season of work where your job bores you, but the paycheck meets the bill, so you continue doing it. You know, through every season of work, we're called to endure. We're called to keep going. We're called not to lose heart. That's what our communicators have been talking about. We were created to work. We were created to have a work ethic, and through all things, we must endure through work. So we went to a group of seasoned leaders in our church, people who have seen the ups and downs over the course of their work life, and asked them, if you had the opportunity to speak to some of these Timothys, what is one insight, what is the one key piece of wisdom that you could share with us? Let's hear what they had to say. One of the things I remind myself of is my humanity and that I'm not perfect, even though I know some of us are closer than others. For real? Given my imperfections, there's probably some truth in what my boss is saying. It may not all be reality, yet my experience has shown me that I need to ask God to help me weed through the message and find out what I'm supposed to be learning from this painful interchange. When I can truly ask myself, what do I need to learn? It takes me out of a defensive posture and allows true growth and maturity to take place in my life. Although I always knew what my priorities were, God first, family second, and work third, I wish someone had told me to maybe write it on the mirror or have it on a piece of paper or somewhere that I can refer to on a regular basis. Because when you get caught up in your work, you forget what, you kind of forget what you're supposed to be focusing on. And it would have been really, really helpful for me to have had that 
to refer to on a daily basis. Be a person of integrity. Be consistent. Prioritize your time, and whatever you do, give it your 110%. I always suggest to people that have recently graduated that they keep all their options open. So whether it be something really small like taking a workshop or building connections or even volunteering somewhere, you never know where those small opportunities are going to lead to. One thing I've noticed is that when you show up on time and treat people with respect, it really goes a long way and stands out to supervisors. Go the extra mile. Matthew 5.41, Jesus said, and whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Do not fall into the mindset that that's not my job. That is typically how those who are in the world behave. But you are a follower of Christ. Therefore, like Christ, you should adopt a servant's attitude to work, keeping in mind that you are not working for man, but for Christ. I can assure you that your efforts will not go unnoticed by those in authority over you. That's a whole lifetime worth of wisdom, all wrapped up into three minutes. And you know, it's not just for new grads either. Can I talk to the more experienced person in the room? Maybe you may find some value in reconsidering some of these lessons that were just shared with us. Maybe you're a new Canadian and you've come to this country and you're not allowed to do what you're skilled at doing to do your profession because you don't have the right paperwork. Can I encourage you to persevere, to work with integrity, to be the person that God has called you to be in whatever you're doing right now? Maybe you're just hitting retirement age and you're considering going to Florida. You know, as we read the Bible, I don't find that there's actually a place like Florida anywhere in God's kingdom where all of our best, highly skilled workers go and sit on lawn chairs and leave everybody else to do the work. This new phase of life may actually be a new opportunity for you to reevaluate, reprioritize what you're doing so that you can continue to do the thing that God has called you to do and gifted you to do. So whether you're a new grad, a new Canadian or even newly retired, let me encourage you, endure through the season of work and the season of life that you're in. Be faithful to the calling that God has for you. What you just heard from these individuals was totally unscripted. We asked them just to reflect on the lessons that God had taught them as they had gone through the different seasons of their work life. You know, God is teaching you something too. God is calling you to something as you continue to work. Even if the season of work that you're in is difficult, endure through it. Persevere. Be faithful to the one who gave you that calling. Okay, I'm going to hand it back over to the communicators in the room because even as much as it's about work, there's a rhythm to the way that we work and rest as well. Thank you, Pastor Rick. Thank you to you and uh, Pastor Heather for putting this video together for us. Let's look at practice number four. Engage work from a place of rest. Engage work from a place of rest. When you turn to the very first page in the Bible, you find that we have been presented with an amazing concept of work and rest. While we would like to think of morning as the start of the day, could it be true that the Bible is suggesting another possibility for us to consider? Genesis chapter 1, verse number 31. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. In fact, six times we are presented with the same phrase. Verse number 5, and there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. Verse number 8, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. 
Verse number 13, and there was evening and there was morning the third day. Verse number 19, and there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. Verse number 23, and there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And then finally in verse number 31, and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Each of the day mentioned in the Bible starts with the evening and then the morning. We get up in the morning, we go to work, we come home restless, we sit in front of the television, we flip through channels, we just feel restless and tired. Bible is suggesting that we should start by resting in the evening and then approaching our morning. The order is resting and working. And as if that is not enough, the word of God takes us a step further. Mark chapter number 2, verse number 27, then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. One of the Ten Commandments, found in Exodus chapter 20, 20, in fact the fourth one, covers the Sabbath principle. It is found in verses 8 to verse 11, and it reads, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your town. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. One of the best things that we implemented at Portico Church Office was to close the entire building. Our offices are closed on Monday. It is our Sabbath day. As a staff, we don't exchange emails. As a staff, we don't, don't make work calls. We don't work one day a week. We have taken this out of the biblical principle of resting and working. Recreation is to recreate and we are resting one day a week. We are energizing ourselves and are hopefully in a better place to energize others. Taking a vacation is to vacate oneself from work and pressures of work life. Now to a self-professed workaholic like myself, I'm grateful for my friends at work who push me into a healthy rhythm for life. Taking rest and engaging in work from a place of rest is not a sign of laziness, but exercising diligence and working with what God prescribed as a healthy rhythm for life. Hear this carefully. The most important leadership gift you can give to the ones you love is not your time. The most important leadership gift that you can give to someone is your energy. It is your ability to engage yourself and those around you that makes you a star. I don't know if you work for someone who treats you like a workhorse. But you really like to work with somebody who can motivate you, who can challenge you, who can inspire you. The greatest gift we give is to energize ourselves and energize those around us. As we come to the close of the sermon series, let me ask you, what is the greatest five or ten contributions that you can make to the people you love? In this series, we have presented you with a roadmap to renovate your life. There are certain areas of your life which needs repair, and we need to admit it. We have suggested four practices for renovating your relationships, renovating your money, and your work. 
And we want you to take the time to pause and reflect and consider the areas where you need to be working. There are things which need to be renovated. As you consider today to enjoy work as part of your call, embrace God's standard for work, endure through the different seasons of work, and engage work from a place of rest, please allow me the honor and the privilege of praying with you. Father, we realize that while we are at work, you are a loving God who is working in us. We want you to use our job, our skill, our energy, our passion, and our attitude for your glory. Please provide us with work opportunity so that we can be all that you want us to be. Use our work to develop our character and may our work be a platform through which we can help people find their way back to God. Bless us today. May the road rise to meet us. May the wind be always at our back. May the sun shine warm upon our face. The rains fall softly upon our fields. And until we meet again, may you hold all of us in the palm of your hand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.